Enterprise Digital Podcast with Ian Aitchison and Barclay Ray, navigating the ever-expanding service management maze. Hello again, it's the Enterprise Digital Podcast. I am Barclay Ray, I still am, and I am also still, as ever, joined by Ian Aitchison. Ian, how are you doing? Oh, hello. I'm doing very well, Barclay. Very well, thank you. And I hope you're well too. I am indeed. And good to hear that with you. I mean, it's been something that's been noted by various people, but including myself, that normally at this time, you might have the temerity to produce some trivia. Temerity. (laughs) That's a great word, by the way. I'm always prepared. Never describe me as unprepared. And consequently, I'm ready with some trivia for this week's podcast. Would you like some? Uh, well, if you must, if if, if you have to, I, I think we, we should do it, yeah. Well, before we get into the meat of today's today's show, let's talk about slime mould. Oh, not again. <laughs> I'm always going about slime and... Okay, on you go, on you go. There is a, there's a theme to these things. No, this is a really lovely little bit of news that sneaks out over the last couple of weeks. It just made me chuckle and smile. There's just something about it that's nice. The University of Chicago, a couple of scientists there, uh, recently uh, focused on the relationship between people and their devices. Uh And we all have a bit of relationship with our devices, don't we? And our mobile phones or our smartwatches or whatever. And, uh, you know, if they break down or get replaced, you you just swap them out and buy a new one. It doesn't matter. The old one goes. It doesn't tug at your heartstrings. You don't really have a relationship with it. Well, I did when I had to give up my BlackBerry. Put it that way. I, I loved my BlackBerry. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, oh. behind me, I have two BlackBerrys, two model BlackBerrys on my shelf of old technology that I keep because they are, you're right, there is a little bit of a connection. But let me give you a better connection you could have with technology. These two scientists uh, recently developed a, uh, I think it's a smartwatch which tracks your uh heart rate but it's powered by and i'm scrolling through trying to pull the words out as i read through this it's powered by living slime mold and you have to regularly feed it a mixture of water and oats to keep it alive it's like little mold right and you have you have to feed it to keep it alive and if you keep it alive then the watch on your wrist keeps working and it keeps i'm looking at the screenshot here it shows you the your heart rate and the time and a bit of information about your slime mold. And apparently people that had this developed a strong relationship with it in a similar way. Do you remember Tamagotchi? Remember Tamagotchis? The old little digital personalities. Yeah, I I remember them existing, but they weren't for me, I have to say. No, I'm, I'm the same. They weren't for me. I didn't have one. But it's a similar thing, except this really is a living entity which is powering your watch and you have to feed like winding it, but you have to feed it. And apparently they, they developed a really strong relationship with them to the point of being uh, upset. They gave them names. They would put their partner in charge of feeding it uh, if they weren't available to feed it or weren't well enough to feed it. It says. How did they select the people for this test? Was it, was there some kind of, did they have to fail a particular personality test or. uh, Maybe they, they ask a question on, X.com, previously Twitter, saying anybody out there really, really interested in slime mould? Ah, shall we move on? Let's move on. That's a good one, though, isn't it? That's a good bit of trick. 
I love that. It just makes sense. It's typical of the kind of slightly weird stuff that you seem to be able to find. I seem to gloss over, but I, I think one that maybe fed itself or or whatever. Anyway, we don't have a guest this week. We're just having a bit of a chat ourselves, and um, we will uh, we'll also maybe reflect a little bit on just briefly on our last AI podcast, which had some interesting meat to the bone on that one. We've got another one coming up shortly, but uh, this is a standard enterprise digital podcast and um, look forward to having a chat. So I've just checked my watch. There is no slime mold on it. It does track my heartbeat, but thankfully it's quite clean looking. There's nothing offensive about it. And I, I'm, I still don't feel attached to it in any way. Probably, you see, that's why. Yeah, I know. So um, just briefly, we did, we did have a, an AI podcast a few weeks ago with uh, Ollie O'Donoghue from Cognizant. We talked through some data. What, just just briefly on that, what, what were your takeaway thoughts on on? What came out of it? Because it was quite a dynamic discussion and quite a lot of stuff came out of it, really, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know what you you thought, but I, I thought Ollie, Ollie was great. I was impressed by the report itself, first of all, because, you know, the report came out. I have a read of this before the podcast, and I thought it would just be a fairly light bit of fluffy analysis. Well, it, it was a remarkably detailed piece of work, I thought, very well presented. And obviously it was looking at the in the US market at the impact of uh, AI uh, in the future. And it talked about the massive revenue benefits that are expected to come, but it also talked about the impact on different job roles. And I think the surprising thing for me was the conclusion from that, that only a pretty small percentage of uh, different job profiles would be very negatively affected by this. That's got sort of my big takeaway. And of course, the lucky coincidence that my my trivia story, what was it about? It was about Lego, I think, wasn't it? No, Ikea. It was about Ikea, yeah. And... Who brought in AI to effectively to replace uh, a lot of their first line customer support staff. And rather mm. than letting them go, making them the 1% that was in Ollie's report, they retrained them and gave them new positions that didn't previously exist in Ikea as uh, online design consultants. So they kind of uplifted their skills. They defined a new job and they earned big revenue from I for IKEA. They became a very successful function because they'd been released from the previous job and moved into an even better job that was even more valuable for customers in the business. So I liked that. That was good. And um, it, it does, I mean, there's things coming out of that which I think are relevant to our discussion today in terms of the future of certain types of job, types of function, um, but also how you repurpose what people are doing. The one thing to bear in mind is that those people in IKEA had already been working in the front line, so they knew the business, they knew the context, etc. So let's move on to that. Let's let's talk about because we've got a little bit of a proposition, I suppose, that, that I think you might want to uh, lay out, set out, and which I will then discombobulate um, <laughs> we, we, we will debate between us but it's it's to do with i guess the future of service desks and service desk roles and all that kind of stuff what are your thoughts on that ian let's start with a big hairy audacious statement that's probably a bit controversial but i think 
what we typically think of today and for many years now as the the function of the service desk in a in an organization whether it's at, at an enterprise service level or a purely IT service level i think as we look at that and think about that it has a a future end of life that is visible not very far away that's my confrontational way of saying i am increasingly hearing it leaders talking about the need to no longer have a service desk traditional function in their organization they're seeking ways to no longer have that in their organization and i know this is a very very bold statement to make to our our industry and our audience barkley but then that's the fun of a podcast right let's chew this controversial idea around why are many it leaders talking about in five years time we may not need the traditional function of a service desk and what does that mean before we do debate that can I, can i tell you the first time i heard that statement oh let me guess 2001 <laughs> back brother further back than that yes indeed indeed it was in 1990 i i i probably said this before but i was shown round an ibm uh, sort of future service desk future operational and it was it was a very nicely laid out you know very kind of ambient and quiet and people sitting around it wasn't the, the sort of what you'd expect in a normal desk. It was a bit like the Carlsberg ad of old, if you remember that, where the phone rang out and then what was the complaints office. Yes, um, it's all the way down the corridor, eventually you find it and you open the door, it's an empty room and there's a dusty telephone. And it was a wrong number, yeah. But that, oh, yeah. that was that was 34 years ago that I first heard that. So before we even have this debate, I kind of think, uh, you think, and you probably know what my... Oh, I know. Well, my position is going to be on this in the sense that I totally accept what you're saying and I understand there's other layers of it, of course, but I've heard this one before and, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm all for progress, but I'm, I'm as busy as I've ever been on looking at service desks and they're all busy and they're all doing stuff and they're all engaged. We might debate the, the term traditional. I think, and that's that's something to, to think about. Let, let me distinguish. There is service management, and let's keep it sort of IT service management mostly. And I think, in my mind, that has a very healthy future. I think mm-hmm. it's yep. the, the word again, what we think of traditionally. Traditionally is the the service desk for from an IT department. I see that as the thing that cha- needs to change mm. or else may no longer be serving a function, a purpose. Well, I mean, it's almost, let, let me just give you my initial retort to what, what you laid out there, which is that, that that's been happening in, in many cases for, for some time, and particularly in progressive organizations, and now I think more in many organizations. The traditional, and, and you use the word traditional, the traditional break-fix help mm. desk. We're here to answer the phone. Well, very few of them use the phone much these days. Oh, yeah. Some still do, and and there are reasons for that, and we can go into that. But um, you know, they just we're just here to reset your password and reset your IP address or whatever, or or order you a new keyboard or something. Most of those things are can and are be are automated or you know turned into some kind of other process or function. 
it it obviously depends. You know, we go to lots of organisations where there's hundreds of people engaged with many numbers of customers managing all sorts of different levels of work and process automation, uh, process uh, management, not automation, but, you know, where, where people are tasked with doing certain things. And that hasn't changed a huge amount, but it is starting to slowly change even at those levels. I, I, fi- I find it quite difficult to think now of the last time I saw a really traditional old service desk that fits that description, but I see bits of it. So I mean, I, I accept that it's still there in many cases in, in a kind of undeconstructed way. But I'd also say that there's, there is still, it doesn't mean to say that, that there's no value or future in what we might call the serv- you know the service desk or support function of the future. And some of that also comes down to the, the sort of support models that we have the traditional tiered model or the or the swarm model, which is, you know, and, and when to use them, all those kind of things. So I think I think what you're saying is not as controversial as, as it might have seemed at first. I will be completely surprised if, you know, in five years there's no service desks, put it that way. I think that I think they'll be around for some time in in, in a number of different ways and at a number of different levels. But it is definitely the direction of travel. I don't I, don't disagree yeah. with that at all. There's a couple of words that you use there that I'll, I'll call out that I think are interesting. You talked about a progressive service desk, and I'd like to come back to that to talk about what you see as uh-huh. progressive. And you also use the word reactive. And I think for my my position on this, uh, I think that's what I'm talking about. The I still see many organisations, and I talk to IT leaders a lot, right? So this happens in it almost every week. I talk to IT leaders, and they're, they're commenting about their service function, and very often the word reactive is used. They're waiting for something to happen to do something. They're waiting for the next ticket to come in. And sure, it might have been created by an AI bot that popped up, but it's still a ticket created where something needs to be done. An incident's created, a request is created, a thing. Something needs to be done. If nothing was created to be done, then that team would be sitting there drumming their fingers on their keyboards thinking, I've got nothing to do. It's re it's a reactive concept. And I think, and maybe this is in line with your progressive, but I think we're seeing more and more the volume of need to react to is going down. The volume of need is going down because things are either not needed in the same way, either the the, the tools that people need are self-accessible, they can get to them themselves, or things don't break like they used to. Things don't have the same terrible impact. Saying that, to be fair, I was speaking to a colleague this last week who was speaking to a very large uh, global enterprise name that you would recognize, I won't say, who was commenting that still, (laughs) I am chuckling, still password reset is the most common form of uh, the highest volume inbound ticket that they received is password reset. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is still, but still these things are out there. But I, I, it's very reactive. Right? It's very, very reactive. So I'm increasingly seeing that that reactive nature is going to be a smaller proportion of the the work and the value that the people in a service desk environment do. Hard for me, right? Because my background, just like yours, is very much around service management. The service desk always has been kind of hard for me to, to see that, but I can definitely see that the 
the reactive requirement is is going down. So tell me about a progressive service desk then. Tell me more about what that what that looks like. Even just recently, I and mean, we're talking just at the end of February 2024, I've I, mean, I do a lot of um consulting and auditing, as you probably know, a lot of it with SDI and, and other organizations, but particularly looking at organizations and their desks, most of which is actually not about the desk, to be honest. It's about the integration of how things work across the organization. Very often the focus is on the desk as, as the point where a lot of things come together uh, and where a lot of the work is, is managed. But what I would say, and, and particularly recently, I, I've I've seen a number of really, really good operations, you know, well-structured, well-resourced, and also well-appreciated by their by their customers and, and organizations and colleagues, users, whatever, you know, all, all those kind of things. Um, for a number of reasons, what, I think the first one being actually that they are doing a lot of the things that we've been talking about for a long time. They are automating a lot of their processes. They are automating repetitive things like password resets. There are some org- businesses and organizations, though, that, that still don't allow that for various, you know, security reasons. Not many, but still. And there are still organizations that haven't got the tools, but, you know, that's diminishing. The, the trend seems to be to move away away from incidents and more to deal with requests. So it, it is much more about fulfilling requirements rather than... Let me than... ask you about that, Barkley. Why do you think that trend is there to move away from incidents? Do you think, and that's my point, that there are less incidents that yeah, need... I mean, definitely. I mean, the, the, there are less incidents and there are less things that are... Previously, that were a volume of incidents that have been removed or, or reduced significantly. You know, you, you put in a password reset tool, you had 500 of those a month. You're still going to get some that, that don't fit with the, you know, easily automatable and somebody, you know, it still needs some help somewhere. So I, I think, you know, that from that point of view, that that the nature of the work is changing and it is much more fulfillment, facilitation and, and people support, you know, actually supporting people rather than just, you know, turning a switch or, or ordering a keyboard. And that that is really interesting because I hadn't expected to, to include this, but of course it is part of this. There's incidents, break fix, there's request, which is fulfilling need, but there's also advice, right? There's guidance, yeah. recommendations, yeah. how can I, what's the best way to that area? The, the same thing about sort of technology replacing people in some of these areas is the rise of, Technology that guides people in how to use tools. Technology that guides in how best to use this tool in our organization. Yeah. But there's a trade-off between how much time people can or will spend responding to those things. You know, and 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 no matter how much you say, well, they'll do it at home at night. It's a diff- you know they'll they'll go in and and follow a manual or a routine or whatever. Whereas when they're in the workplace, they, they may have a different context in terms of how much time they've got as well. So actually, the, the people helping them to do things quickly or giving them advice is still a very relevant and valid point. And it's all about building the relationship and maintaining that. And it's it's I'll say that again. It's relatively quick compared to, as you described, going reading a manual and working it out yourself. But 
there are new technologies in place now which are there inside the applications. Yeah. Let's jokingly refer to Microsoft's Clippy. <laughs> it looks like you're writing a letter. Now, the next, you know, the new breed of these digital adoption technologies are there in the tool, helping people use the tool in their job in that business in the way that you need to in your job in that business, uh -huh. not requiring them to go home and read the manual, but saying, no, it's over here. You click here and then you go there and then you you open this section and then you fill in the detail you need here, that sort of guidance. That requirement for the service desk to offer that. It doesn't take it away. It, it reduces it because there's still people who will get confused or don't want to engage or it doesn't work, you know, and and... I don't think we should just be going, right, we're just going to remove this because we've got the technology there now and it's going to work. It's not. And and we don't have the, you know, maybe in the next generation's time when the next generation of people coming through will we'll accept that and it's got a lot better because <laughs> it doesn't always work. You know, let's, let's so I mean, I, I get the fact that there's technology in there that will do a lot of stuff in terms of monitoring and, and checking and, and fixing and proactive fixing and, you know, we've got Gradually, you know, the tide rises, doesn't it? It's just gradually different use cases get ticked off and it doesn't need a person to do it. It does. It's not a complete transformation. It's just a gradual. Yeah. Yeah. gradual. And, and you know, there's, there's roles that have kind of gone from IT when, when I started and probably when you started that have happened over time, but you'll still find occasionally, you still find them out there. I don't know. I think we just have to take big picture view of what, because it's not just about the technology. It's, it, in, in, and, and if I'm using the example of the organizations that I know and, and work with, and some of them huge and have thousands of people doing a lot of these things, seeing them change and seeing one particular one I know where it was very, 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 very break fix and very, very well run and organized, but they, they, they've pivoted in terms of what they do. It's similar to the IKEA thing because they're all experienced people yeah. and that's the, the plug hole that this conversation is circling around, the IKEA example, because I think we can use that in this in this this conversation too. It's like yeah. if we're not doing break fix anymore and if we're doing a little less guidance inside the product, what are we doing? Because there's all these great things we could be doing, different types of things. There's great things that we could be doing. So there's the innovation part that we, you know, the and the helping people part. I think for me, the other two things that one is, the relationship part, the contact part, and the positive engagement that actually the more we automate and reduce, the less opportunity we have to actually engage. And that becomes... Home working, those that aren't always in the office surrounded by lots of people, contact with IT human beings might be only one of a few employee contacts that person has in a day. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge part of that, I think. And, you know, we talk about mental health, we talk about employee well-being and so on. That Just recently, I've done a couple of reviews where, you know, I've been talking to the end users and the customers and, you know, they, you, they would be devastated if that capability was gone because they, you know, they see it as a very positive interaction. The other thing I was going to say, and this is more on the scale, but it applies throughout, is that for a long time, rightly or wrongly, that function has been the entry point for IT for a lot of people yeah. and for a lot of organizations to bring in people. 
-hmm. So you look at some, you know, most of the big MSPs have this model where they are permanently recruiting. They've, they, they have recruitment all the time. They bring people in. They want to find good people who can progress in their organization. They move very quickly. Where better to start than, you know, a good service desk? They meet lots of people. They see the whole organization. They see all the different services. And you know, and I'm not saying that that's justification on its own, but where's that going to happen? You know, what, 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 what's the point where progression and, and, you know, I see a lot more now with apprentices and people come in and they spend time on the desk and, and they just get to know the organization and the, and the, the way it works and the, the technology side through that prism first. Yeah. And they've got a really good perspective and, you know, okay, you can bring in graduates and so on, but actually that to me is, is, is a very pragmatic and practical model and, I've always wanted it to be much more that the role has been actually aspirational, but you know, I get it. It's 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 not. It's it's a for seventy percent of the people that go through it, it's it's a way in. Other people that like doing that work, but it's it's a model that works. So that that has got to be rethought if if we're saying we're not gonna we're not gonna do this. Mm. No, that's true. And I, I started my career really um after a few random different diversions. Uh I started in service management uh, in the IT help desk, as it was back in the day, because although I could co program in COBOL, I was a COBOL programmer and had spent time in industry doing COBOL programming. I didn't want to do that as a job. I wanted to work with people. So that's why I took that route, because I actually enjoyed the human contact more. And yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's that that very important yeah. factor of the relationship, the layer between technology and and people needs to be people themselves. And another example of how that is shifting is is I I now go into many more organisations that have actually set up walk-in facilities. Hmm. You find it in in education. It's been around in universities for a long time. There was always a desk that they went to very often in the library. But I'm now seeing more of it. Uh, I was a company recently where they've actually set up two really, really good interaction points. And it's not about whether or not you can automate a particular pa you know, a password reset or something. The one I'm thinking of, I went in and they have a you know, very nice accessible room. You can, if you want to, you can log in and your name goes up on the on the board and there's people there being helpful and friendly and engaging and talking about the work that they're doing. And also as they're doing it, they're fixing things. And yeah, that sounds good. Though, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds, that sounds very high value. And that's at a human level of relationship that maybe that's, that's part of the progressive service test that you're describing where it's, mm. I mean, the, the walk-in function is not in itself a new concept, but it's great to hear that it's it's being better established and better better distributed. So maybe that's part of that that evolution. It becomes more and more like going into a lovely space, chatting with some people to get some hints yeah. and tips and help. And can I show you this? And what do you think about this? And I haven't actually turned my laptop on because I came in here to have a conversation with you about something about yeah. technology. I'd like some advice about something that doesn't require me to use my computer. So you make a good point. Yeah. I think the traditional desk was anything but a walk-in desk because it, the way that it was set up was 
stop that happening, basically, and to reject walk-ups. <laughs> you know, it was more like a keep out desk or stay well, away. I used to hate this phrase, call deflection. Yeah. Deflection always used to really wind me up, and, and people would refer to self-service interfaces as call deflection. Yeah. And that's just such a negative way of saying, you know, finding ways to deliver the answers that they need without them having to use the telephone. I don't think we're that. I mean, I I'd certainly would would be probably less gung-ho about saying it's going to disappear in the next five years. That was um, a deliberate be provocative statement, but I, I don't really completely believe that. But I do think yeah. I am definitely I, that's the reason I bring this up, having more and more conversations about how it is going to change. And maybe that is becoming more progressive. Maybe that is consciously no longer those incidents and those break fixes, even those that are still doing it, they're not going to do it so much. They're going to do something else. The only thing I'd say to that is I would certainly caution any uh, CIO or IT director or whatever, just to su just to suddenly think, or oh, because there's been a long history of them, you know, outsourcing these functions simply because they didn't understand them or thought they cost too much money, and that in fact they were probably one of the cheapest parts of the of their team, really, and and then regretting it, and you know, so don't don't chuck the baby out with the bathwater no, until do, you're do sure. Do an IKEA. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But but also don't just think that well we can save a bit by by doing this. We, there's the need for the human interaction. There's the need for the relationship management, and there's a really need for the innovation support, if you like the the personal support. And you know beyond that, then who knows? But I'll believe it when I see it, and I'll <laughs> all that kind of. No, I mean I I agree with I agree with it, but. It's a direction of travel rather than a overnight revolution. A progression towards a progressive service environment. Yes, a progression. Okay. After thinking you were going to say something really, really controversial, we've, we've, <laughs> we've come to a point. I, of... I think we've settled on, Ian's kind of got a point, but things move slowly. And yeah. Barclay's got a point too about people. Uh, and Indeed. All that kind of stuff. Okay, good stuff. Very good. Well, that was an interesting little chit-chat around the future of our industry, and, and hopefully we might get some reaction to that. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to do something really controversial. I'm going to ask you, what your favourite sandwich is, Ian? No. You could have warned me. You could nah. have warned me. Uh, uh, there are so many good sandwiches on there. So we're doing sandwiches today. Okay. Well, um, we could yeah. do tacos or... Um, um, no, no, no. Let's do sandwiches. I think my brain immediately pitches, uh, and my wife will kill me for saying this, a bacon sandwich in white bread i know white bread i mean that's not good white bread with some tomato ketchup in there tomato sauce bacon that that is my default mental picture of a bacon sandwich of, of a sandwich sorry of a sandwich you were doing fine until you said ketchup in there i mean why why ketchup in a bacon sandwich i don't know so. oh, come on. it's the, the logical pairing how would you ever use anything different 
Well, there we go. Every, each to their own. Okay, I mean, that was a good, good little chat. We will be returning to AI, I think, on the next one, and um, going on beyond and getting some more guests over the next few months. We've got conferences and stuff coming up, so we'll look forward to that. Um, but for now... Very nice. Thanks, Barkley. Thanks very much. We'll see you soon on the Enterprise Digital Podcast.